I know, I saw those eyes. Everyone's excited. Uh, to another lesson of class holes. We're back. With We're... Myself, Lucy Murray, and Mr. Preston here. Good to, good to see you, mate. Are you getting on? I'm all right. I'm a little bit now, angry, I'll be honest. But... I know that we have always been at the forefront of most conversations, which is why we decided to do this podcast. Um, yeah. Generally, we just wanted to encapsulate mm-hmm. just how prophetic a couple of people we are. I don't know if anyone else has been reading the news. Small talk to be banned during hairdressing. I know, I did see that. Well, I don't want to... Is it that class holes came out, slammed small talk, particularly Mm. in hairdressing. During hairdressing, exactly. And And lo and behold, it becomes statutory law. I think they're probably listening. I think they are listening. And what's more, they're taking notes. Yeah, well, I mean, you were very damning of their public speaking style as well, weren't you? So well, maybe they've I mean, tried to improve themselves there as well. Talking <laughs> of improving themselves, what's coming up on today's show? Good question. <laughs> Why do you look so unprepared to answer it then? I don't know. <laughs> you look like I just asked you about PPE or something like that. Because <laughs> I completely forgotten what we're talking about. Oh, hang on. Okay. So, totally prepared. Um, I'm talking about finding a job today, and you are talking about... Cooking. Yes. Let's get going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get cooking. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so, finding a job, lesson one. Probably the most important lesson we've done so far. I would say it's, it was, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there with queuing and, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <Something> and, that... <laughs> and hairdressing concerns. Yeah, I would say getting a job is, it's, it's is vital. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine this being like, whatever episode, I think we're like episode 10 now, and we're yeah. finally getting around to eating and getting a job. <laughs> we talked about nutrition. We did talk about nutrition, yeah. Yeah, and we did talk about first jobs. We just didn't talk about the active thing. Of the procurement, it. yeah. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity of looking for jobs now in teaching, and that's something we should definitely talk about, getting a job in teaching, because they are mm. in. They just throw them at you, basically, don't they? Yeah, it's like collect five crisp packets and become a teacher. <laughs> um, and then also out of teaching. And... I think it's much easier to get a job out of teaching. I think, like, I'm on about the actual interview days. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, I don't know how, if, if many people listening to this know how teacher recruitment works. Mm. It's somewhat of a cult. Like, once you get into teaching, it's kind of difficult to get back out of it, I think. But the actual <laughs> kind of interview days and things are, they're very much more in line with what I think you might have, like, assessment days for yeah. other careers you know like you turn up you a, a lesson is mandatory they'll usually let you know like i don't know a few days before although that's not always the case no 
uh, they'll this go, right, here's a year group. Here's I, I don't know how it works in maths. What do they do with you? Well, I had, so in general, yeah, you go, this is the lesson you'll be teaching. This is what they've learned so far. Um, you know that you're going to have a tour around the school by some child and they're going to get asked for feedback. And... They're great. They're great because it's yeah. usually like being shown around by the artful dodger. Some kid is either the best kid in the school who they yeah. really want to show like this kind of almost like little prime minister that takes you around. Yeah. Uh, or they, they take the, there's a kind of like the personality kid who's, you know, trying to, try, trying to have your jewellery off as you walk around <laughs> the science labs. So you have that. You have an actual normal interview. You also have the like coffee or lunch with the department as well. Yeah, I think that uh, in the job that I got before my most recent one, I, I, I turned up on Christmas jumper day and I actually had to have oh, Christmas no. dinner with half the cohort. Like I had it in with the sick form and there was a massive sick form. But fortunately, I knew I had the job by that point. So I thought, you know what, if I'm like pulling a cracker and I've got like a li- little crown on and I'm trying to do like <laughs> a, a Christmas festive pun and then they call you back and go, oh, by the way, mate, you didn't get the job. <laughs> it would have been like... What about the worst Christmas ever? My favourite teacher interview was for, um, uh, so a university in London, um, trying not to name any names, this is like the time I talked about the technology store, a university (laughs) in London um, have these schools that they also run. Oh yeah. And um, they were just starting it up at that moment. Uh, and they were starting it up with three years. I think they'd been running it for two, so they'd started year seven. So I was joining on the third. Um, so was it like an independent school or something then? It was an academy school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they had 12 of us start in the beginning of the day, and they were going for, I think it was like two or three jobs. So quite. Just like the Hunger Games. Yeah, like, exactly. You, you, you start the day like a pod and you come out. There's like chalk readily available, Pythagoras <laughs> theorem. What, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to yeah. do with it? Well, so this one, it was, um, they, you know, normally before you get a breakdown of the day and these are the things you're doing it to, this one was turn up. Like that was it, basically. No context or anything so we're going through the day we're having the artful dodger take us around <laughs> and we start off with 12 people and by the end of this tour there's now only 10 and that continues what, throughout it was almost the day. Like, like a slasher movie like you're walking down yeah, the like, corridors and people are just being slabbed you didn't so i didn't necessarily notice at the beginning that like people were disappearing but then it was all of a sudden it was, you know, you'd go to the toilet and you'd come back and all of a sudden, like, where, where, where's John gone? There's just a, sm- a small amount of We don't talk about John ash. anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John found his DBS. <laughs> and then at the very end of the day, so this happened all the way through the day. At the very end of the day, um, we were split into two groups. There were six of us in this room. And they said, right, okay, you know, you three come out and come into this other room. And I was thinking, this is the moment that I get slashed. <laughs> what was the criteria for the others to, to be gone? Or do you, did you never find out? Oh, it was just like after various points 
in the interview process. So, you know, for example, after the coffee with the really oh, so yeah, look yeah, at exactly. him stirring that he's gone anti-clockwise get rid of him <laughs> don't lock him he can get out like it was genuinely it must have been like that um and then wow. we were pushed into this corner of this room because <laughs> they had a lot of win- they had a lot of windows everywhere and they said go, go into the corner go into the corner where all the chairs are so we were like okay there's three of us standing there and they went so let's say that uh you've been successful getting through to the next round um, could you stay quiet because we're just getting the other three to go now? <laughs> that is absolutely outrageous. Could yeah, you see the others? Were, no, we were pushed into this corner without the glass, so that the other three were uh, disappeared and <laughs> shot, um, <laughs> shot against exactly. the wall. And by the time we got out of the room, there were now only you know three candidates left going for these two jobs. It was. That was like the weirdest experience. This wasn't the time that you applied to work in that chocolate factory. (laughs) (laughs) Because I do remember you getting a golden ticket for that. I just... (laughs) The teachers were just kind of like like kneeling down to kind of pour chocolate into their mouths and things. Someone ate this weird blueberry. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never make the physics department. Yeah, so that was that was the weirdest one I've done. One of the weirdest interviews I've done is that I have recently secured a teaching position. Uh, COVID has pushed me back into the classroom, and uh, I also your passion for education. (laughs) (laughs) My 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 passion and a deadly virus has pushed me back into the classroom, and uh, so I was applying for teaching jobs. I took a sabbatical from teaching. Um, not not just for this podcast, but primarily to, to <laughs> see how podcasting would treat me. Uh, and so, obviously, applying for for jobs in a, in a classroom when you're not allowed to leave your house has been a very surreal experience. Mm. I applied uh, for one particular job, and uh, they sent a message through, and I was expecting them to go, "Look, here you go. Here's a theoretical year ten class." this is what the class, the theoretical class looks like. And I want you to plan a lesson and send that through. And you can kind of understand that because they need to see your style in as much as the PowerPoint allows or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, got an interview for one particular place. They sent me an email. They were like, yep, um, we are going to interview you later on this week. It will be on Thursday. Got this email on like Monday. So I was like, oh, brilliant. And I looked to see if there was any small print or any task. Didn't appear to be any. So I was like, okay, it must be just an interview, which I thought was a kind of surreal thing. I think with teaching, you do need that lesson. You, know, yeah. you can't just have a go, well, I've got some GCSEs. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you kind of need to see someone in the classroom. So I thought it was a bit odd that they didn't ask me to plan anything until got to Wednesday night. They were like, oh yeah, by the way, we know your interview's tomorrow we just want to get a bit of a flavor of your teaching. So we want you to do a 20 minute video presentation on any aspect of English literature. Oh, by the way, if you can bung it to us before tomorrow morning, I've got this, I've got this message. I'm like, is this part of it? Is this like, a, is this kind of like part of the, a part of the interview process? Like how quickly would you be able to manufacture a video where yeah. you're just talking to your laptop about like, I don't know, Shizako Endo or something like that. Okay. This is brilliant. So I thought that was quite an odd one. Didn't end up actually going for that job in the end because there were some concerns. But yeah, I think when you go into the interview process, when you're a kid, 
you just expect to go in with your exam qualifications and go, I worked hard. Everyone else is talking <laughs> at the back and eating crisps. I actually put the work in. So I'm going to become, you know, president of the economy. And what you don't realize actually yes. is that you kind of go in a little, a little bit like a beggar. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. With your <laughs> cap what... in hand. I actually, I really love the process of looking for a job and getting a job and all of that. I don't know. So I said to one of my friends the other day, I was like, oh, you're so lucky to be looking for a job right now because <laughs> she's in I the just... gutter <laughs> doesn't know how she's going to feed her family of eight but so, so. you don't know how lucky you are <laughs> because i love i love the process of it because it's like it's almost like dating but you know you're right it is very much that you're putting your the best version of yourself forward yeah and then you know you you're contacting them and you're like oh am i playing too hard to get or am I, you know <laughs> oh, oh, excited. They, they've poked me on linkedin what could yeah. that mean <laughs> Don't, don't want to be too keen because then they'll think this and you know and you're trying to just chat the best thing about yourself so and obviously I haven't been dating in 10 and a half years so I don't have that aspect of my life so job searching is the only aspect so I that's how get. you're getting your kicks now is it you're getting your <laughs> yeah. your thrills through the job market yeah but I mean I'm not looking for a job or anything now but the <laughs> the actual process of it I really really love um, and I think that one of the most important things is to try and look and imagine yourself in that company. Like I've had to now write job specs. And when you start writing job specs, um, you, the ones like I read that were in my company before were oh, something along the lines of something like, oh, we've got rules. We have to have a few. It's like, why are you saying that you have to have a few rules? If I when read that, I'd be thinking... It's what? not anarchy there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's... It, I, I find those job specs really weird when they try and be matey with you. Or they're <laughs> kind of like, well, sometimes the work's got to start, but we still haven't found that time yet. It's like, what kind of like racket are you running in this place? Uh, I know what you mean. It's a very yeah. surreal market to be in. Reading and writing those job specs are definitely because it's it's the very first thing that a candidate sees of your job, and it kind of it's supposed to give a whole vibe to the company. Doing as doing normal job applications and interviews now, this is the thing that's going to blow your mind, right? You ready? Oh, wait. Go on. Okay. So, what happens in an interview in general is an interview lasts 20, 30 minutes, right? The longest 20 or 30 minutes of your life. Yeah, but that's it. You might have a, an interview with another person, but you don't have to do anything else. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so in my job, when you're... So you're just usually you have like, Well, you're usually now um, you have the CV stage, you get through that, and then um, my job obviously is practically based, so they give you a thing to code they say we want this and then you go and have a meeting for an interview and that's the decision made for a and job. you're done wow yeah because there's and a lot like, of hoops in teaching isn't there a lot yeah. of hoops to jump through you've always in teaching as well got those massive application forms you can never just give your cv <laughs> no and you've they, always and got a personal statement and you know what in the most recent slew of interviews and things i've done when i secured my job 
every single teaching application now says, do not submit your CV. Yeah. You have to go through all the application process. And obviously I can kind of understand that because you need to tailor it to the company and different schools yeah. have different ethos exactly the same way um, as different companies do. It's, it's, a, it's quite a surreal thing though. I remember when I was applying for jobs um, pre my teaching career. So I was working freelance in journalism beforehand. Working in, in freelance journalism is tatamount to begging because most places mm. actively won't pay you. They're like exposure, yeah. it's experience yeah. we're paying you in. And you're like, yeah, but I can't eat exposure. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how much longer I, I can actually survive in this market. Uh, and that's, that's a very surreal thing. Like when you're, yeah. when, you're, when you're trying to break into an industry and I was yeah. unsuccessful in breaking in, like I, I gave it my best shot, I think for about, about a year, basically as the money kind of dried up because it gets to the point where I don't want to, like, I don't know what kind of demographic we've got of people listening to this. So I don't want to turn around and say, your dreams mean nothing because you'll never make it. But it, there is such a coldness when you go out into the real world and realize nepotism yeah. is so right. Well, yeah. I mean, what's, I suppose, quite bad is that, so obviously I've changed career and went from being a teacher to being a developer. Without nepotism, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that because mm. I had a friend who owned a company and said, oh, I'll hire you on an internship basis. And then I, I was able to get you know, experience and then he started paying me and everything. Um, but Harry actually was able to do the same thing going into a development role, um, but doing it the hard way and actually just oh, really? applying to loads of junior jobs and then getting one and then having experience. And, so and that's, so. I suppose that's the kind of the, 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 the other side of the coin is that what I would say, if, if you are like a younger person listening to something like this, then try and use your university years really to try and gain as much experience and make the network because yeah. nepotism of any degree, like there is the kind of severe form of nepotism, which is my dad owns a company. My dad has made me the vice president of that company. But then there is also the other kind of nepotism of like you, like, you know, a friend or a friend of a friend who can go, oh yeah, I like what you're doing or I've, you know, I'll look at your portfolio or something along those lines. But um, I think it's just- What I was things... doing when I was looking at going into a development as well is as well as doing that, you know, trying to I was very aware that I might not get in that way so I just went on LinkedIn and added a whole lot of people <laughs> basically <laughs> and with just um any companies I thought were cool just added people in there and sent said, them a little poke little nudge know, you're right there no Lucy Murray <laughs> and just sent them a message and said look I'm in the market to I'm getting into the market <laughs> and then um, some of them were really helpful and saying like, oh, okay, no, look for this and look for that. Cause people want to help you in general. I think people are nice. I like to believe that. Lesson two, another vital lesson uh, yeah. that we've waited kind of 10 weeks into the series to administer, which is cooking. Yes. The fundamentals of living. <laughs> so, would you say you're a good cook? chef I, think, I, I, I do I would say I, I've always been quite a picky eater okay uh, ever since being a kid now I don't know I, I'm the first born in my family I don't know are you're are you the first I'm, no I'm the youngest by like a long way 
Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I so I'm there's only two in in um, kids in in my family. It's me and my sister, and I'm 18 months older. And having seen my sister's children as well, and um, they've got a slightly larger age gap than me and my sister, but not by much. I always find that the first child is kind of the guinea pig. They come along, mum and dad are very cautious. They don't want to kind of go, oh, you know, don't give him that in case he chokes or whatever. By the time the second kid or third kid or fourth kid rolls around, they're just like, oh, you know what? Let them eat whatever they want. Like, I'll yeah. out my air for a minute. Okay. So I, I think that my parents are very much like that. I thought I was the first child. They were a bit kind of worried about giving me certain things. So I ended up being quite a picky eater because of that. And unfortunately, that's carried on. Nowhere near as bad as when I was a kid. But, but what I found that has cured that pickiness is mm. cooking myself. Uh, when you're seeing the ingredients go in and you're trying a little bit and things like that, I don't know, there is something satisfying about eating a home-cooked meal. Yeah. Do you agree? Would you? Are, oh, are no, you I, cooking? I really like cooking. Mm. And I quite, sometimes I quite like cooking things that take ages. Like okay. I on purpose look for things that take that little bit of time. Something I can stand over and stir while listening to music is the sure. ideal thing to make sometimes. So what's in your repertoire? What would you say is your, you know, your go-to dish? Um, my go-to dish that I'd say is quite, it's not that exciting really, but the thing that, and I don't make it that often, but the thing that I make very, very well is a French onion soup. Really? Yeah. Because that's actually much more good. complex than people yeah. think. Because you've <laughs> yeah. got to constantly be like reducing it and all that old business, don't you? Yeah, well, you start off and the onions at the beginning take forever. Are they French? <laughs> they are French. Sure. <laughs> and you chat into them, bonjour. bonjour. <laughs> Je m'appelle. <laughs> <that>? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the parlance takes you know and is that the is that the extent of the french that you have or <laughs> i got an a star at gcse that was a while ago but yeah how much of that can you honestly remember though like would you say that you are uh, could you converse with a, a french person or i think that if i was lost in france <laughs> if someone picked me up now and dropped sure. me somewhere in the middle of France where they spoke no English. That's a would... reality television show waiting to happen. <laughs> I think I would be able to get somewhere and get food and, you know, but... French onion soup, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if someone just said to me, have a chat with this random French person, I would clam up and not be able to do anything. I'd very I... much need the pressure, basically. <laughs> The first part of my sabbatical, I was traveling quite a lot. And obviously when you're traveling and you're backpacking, you're on the road, you meet such a diverse amount of, of people from all different nationalities. And I remember being quite embarrassed at certain points at just how ignorant I was of other people's languages. Like I can't speak any other language other than English. Mm -hmm. And you meet all these people that are, you know, multilingual. They can speak five, six different languages or just people that are not English, but can speak English fluently and don't yeah. think don't think of that as an incredible skill. Uh, and, I, and I remember speaking to this particular person, they were like, but you know, in, in Eng England, don't you, you study French? Doesn't everyone speak, uh, study French? And I was like, well, I did study French for about four or five years. And they were like, so surely you can speak it. And I thought, I can only say, <laughs> oh no, I lost my cassette at the beach. <laughs> That's the only thing I can say. Wow. So if, if, I, if I got dropped in France, randomly in Lucy Murray-esque fashion, I could go, oh no, j'ai perdu ma cassette à la plage. <laughs> Which 
That's basically what I could do. We were in Wales taught Welsh from primary school, all the the way through primary school, um, up to GCSE level. And I am only able to say I like coffee, but also like varieties of that. So I can say I like coffee and I also don't like coffee. I love coffee. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) I can say these two things about coffee. But I can also say like a various, so I can, I can like or dislike a lot of things. Um, Do you have a GCSE Welsh? I do. Uh, And I can also agree with whatever anyone else is saying. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And that must be brilliant. Yeah, people I'm sure would think I was really polite. I just wouldn't be able to get anything. Wow, she agrees with everything. (laughs) Even some of those very extreme things that people were saying. (laughs) Dwinkatino, (laughs) dwinkatino. Perfect. Well, that's cooking anyway. So uh, we put that to (laughs) bed. (laughs) So that was my dish is French French onion soup. soup. What's yours? Do you know, I I would say I'm cooking as we we record this podcast, actually. I've got something going on in the kitchen. And I am really trying to hone a good ramen at the moment. Oh, nice. That's what I would say. That's the avenue that, I, um, that I'm going down. Because when I, when I was traveling, I was in Japan for, a, for, um, for about three weeks. And it's the second time I've been to Japan. And those two times I've been there, I just live on ramen out there. Mm. And you think it's like, this, it's like a soup. You think it's going to be one of those very easy things to do. But it takes t- such tender, loving care to make sure that it's yeah. brilliant. I've found that the lockdown has been excellent. I'm really trying to kind of widen my repertoire and actually like you know like simple things like takeaways and stuff like that because they haven't been around or at least if they are around I just my personal I just can't trust them at the moment I've been kind of making homemade pizza I made homemade five guys burger and fries the other day nice we made um homemade big macs before mcdonald's was open oh really that was a lot of burger like a lot did it go well though yeah, it was all right. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a Big Mac. See, I like, think I've got the Five Guys down now. I would say that if I gave you the taste test, you would yeah. find it difficult. I think you'd find. See, it my favourite thing about Five Guys though is the bun. So the are you bun, saying you found the right bun as well? The bun is my kryptonite. That's the only. Okay, there we go. <laughs> trying to get you're out you're out (laughs) (laughs) we will not be asking you to the next interview stage mr preston (laughs) is me just sweating over this bun uh yeah that's the thing that i've been slightly concerned about i would say that my pizza is very good i i can do pizza and i've really pushed myself with this lockdown because i think back to a lot of the missed opportunities of university right Mm. i think i i skirted rickets and scurvy a few times at uni (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you because you know, like at uni it's cooking is about getting into good routines and habits. Like if you've got that in your mind of like, right, you know what, like meal planning or I'm going to take the opportunity to do this, or I'm going to learn to love cooking. You'll be fine. Yeah. I was learning to try and extrapolate a lot of nutrition from crisp sandwiches in my first year at uni. Did you butter the crisp sandwiches as well? I put a little bit of butter in there okay, um, and I was getting to the point where that was becoming a meal. I was eating salt and vinegar wow. crisp sandwiches in my first year at uni. Very um, beige. <laughs> my skin colour was getting beige as, <laughs> as, as You were like the meal. sunny delight guy. <laughs> you were like, you are what you eat. 
<laughs> I remember at one point I was on first name terms with a franchised pizza outlet in Exeter. And at that point, that's when I needed to change my habits up because I was thinking, wow, they look like they, they knew my number. And I found that to be absolutely terrifying. Wow. Yeah. When I was calling through and they're going, all right, Preston, uh, is it the usual? And I was going, oh, no. That's when you have bad. to stop. Big questions. Big questions. I swear they used to be cheaper, though. In, in university, that franchise, the pizza was a lot more reasonable than it is now. I swear. Well, well, the franchise I'm talking about no longer exists. Uh, it's not the franchise <laughs> that I'm talking about. You're, you're talking about a certain uh, multinational. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That franchise, right? Um, I don't know if we can say it, but it begins with D. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the advertising on the podcast is. They get everywhere. They're the COVID-19 of fast food <laughs> outlets, as far as I'm concerned, right? <laughs> I was in... When- very, very close. I went to a place in Australia where it was the most easterly point of Oz. And they were like, oh, there's not a town round for like 200 miles. But there was a Domino's pizza. Uh, I can't say <laughs> It's all right. You've done it. <laughs> there, was, there was a, a, a non-named outlet pizza poster. And it was like, yeah, we can get you. And it was like, you know western medicine can't get to some of these places but they've still yeah. got these outlets so cooking <laughs> yeah a lot of that we've reduced the cooking like yeah well i have often partook in takeaways yeah i, I have tried um, to get into cooking more and more well one thing that we do because i think that so every now and then we go i'm gonna cook these amazing meals and we get all excited and we do that um and then it's quite easy to get into the same habits so whenever we feel like we're getting into the same habits cooking-wise, uh, we order ourselves a gusto box. Have you heard of a gusto I'm box? not sure I've heard of that. What's that? It's essentially like a HelloFresh or whatever. Uh, basically, I don't care about brand names now. No more. <laughs> 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 it's the ones where, you know, you order a specific recipe and they give you everything that you need for that recipe through the door. Oh, that's um, cool. And then you can make different ones. So tonight, um, I believe that I am being made Asian meatballs as we speak. Wow, that sounds yeah. delicious. That sounds I'm delicious. I'm sure there's like a proper name for them and I it's think... not just like continent meatballs, but <laughs> <laughs> non-franchised meatballs. <laughs> I think that's the important thing though, is it's about finding those opportunities and without being very like gap yar about it. I think that like things like travel, because you have to have an open mind. You know, yeah. if you go to certain places where they don't speak English, for example, and you and you say you can only say, "Oh no, I lost my cassette at the beach." Yeah. Then you're gonna have to eat what whatever is available. I found that traveling across mainland China did more for me in terms of broadening my mind to food opportunities than anywhere else. I could not speak one word of their language, and the more mainland you go, the less they can speak of yours. So yeah. I I don't know what I was eating, to be honest with you. Um, I spent a lot of time around Could the Wuhan district, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but there, were, there, were certain, there are certain dishes when you go away and, and there isn't that kind of commonality in language where they will put a bowl of, of, of something in front of you and you just, you just go with it. I mean, I know it's not language wise, but um, a couple of years ago, I went with my friend to New York and Philadelphia in Washington, DC. What do, what do they speak um, there? <laughs> it's English. Uh, well, it's a, it's a form of English. Yeah. And um, we went to this one 
Korean restaurant off Broadway and we went there in 2014 I still think about that Korean place (laughs) and I love I love sriracha because of it like that's yeah so I think that sometimes food can really stay with you and that's the power that it has I agree. I think it's one of those things of like getting in, pushing yourself past those boundaries, saying like, Do you know what? And, and and that's why it's so good about like, in terms of your social circle, like you could, I could cook you a ramen. I'm sure you'd sort me out with an Asian meatball. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, exactly. it's the kind of friendship that we've got. But having that, it, it yeah. broadens your mind to these things. I think sometimes like with all, all avenues of life, we get, you know, narrow minded and and dare I say, particularly being British, you know, like still yeah. that like Sundays is roast dinner day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sundays are not for me. I, yeah, is I was going to say, don't knock, a, don't knock a roast dinner. <laughs> uh, 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 that, that is, that's one sacred lamb that I will never slay. For me, roast dinner. I, again, now I don't clap on a Thursday. I know Sunday I've got a Yorkshire pudding the size of me. Excellent. When I'm eating that, I look like something out of The Last of Us. It's just me in this kind of oval shape. It's great. <laughs> Um, we know what that, you've been playing today then <laughs> can't believe my luck part two came out today uh but yeah there are certain things where you need to broaden yourself get around those people look at it the internet is spectacular for that it really yeah. is you know like all these different recipes and things chucking a bit in well that's why i think that gusto is good because sometimes the internet there's too much stuff out there so like those types of meal boxes are nice and then they do all the shopping for you as well Brilliant. Well, um, yeah. thanks very much for listening to that lesson. Brought to you by Gusto's and Domino's Pizza. I was going to say, <laughs> got an offer code if anyone wants it. <laughs> Send us free stuff. Double figures, Lucy Murray. No. We have Feels completed. Like it. it does feel like we've completed. <laughs> it does feel like 10 weeks worth. Uh, but that is ten, 10 weeks. If you're only just joining us, you can go back to the back catalogue. We're, we're all over iTunes and... and uh, is it it's iTunes Spotify. or just podcast, isn't it? Podcast Podcasts. App? We're all podcast over app. podcast app and Spotify. You can go back. Yeah. We've done five hours now. Gosh, that's a lot of hours. Yeah. 20 lessons over five hours. <laughs> Getting a lot of lessons <laughs> for your money there. <laughs> I, I think that we're going to be offsteaded soon. I think that we, <laughs> we are coming under that requirement. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll tell you what else I'm looking forward to, Lucy Murray. What else? Advertising our social media links. Are you? Because I am looking forward to trying to actually, you know, I said last week I'm going to be better. Mm. I'm looking forward to being better this week. I've decided. I'm looking forward to it every week, every week, as we climb the mountain of one million subscribers. (laughs) Yes. Right. How can people follow us? Uh, so on Instagram and Twitter, we're on Class Holes Pod, and you can email us too to Gmail at classpodholes at gmail.com. Also, if you feel like it, pop a review in podcast iTunes. Only positives, though. We don't want to hear any negative things. We are isolating but, ourselves from negative. negative however, we're, we're happy for feedback. But if you want a feedback, just send it to an email. <laughs> Right, private feedback. <laughs> private constructive <laughs> criticism. Uh, until next week, though. Yeah. See you later. Excellent. Bye.